Can you all believe it? This is the last installment of our behind the scenes of a construction site series. That's why I got my trusty hat on. I'll take it off now, you know. Um, there are no nails falling from the sky or anything, but hey, it's thematic, my friends. And today, we're gonna keep that same energy that we have had all month behind the scenes of a construction site, but today, it's gonna be full of joy because we're talking about the joyful dedication from Nehemiah 12, verses 27 through 30. Now, when you think about a joyful dedication, I want you to think about something that just brings me joy every time I see it. And it is going to any sporting event and seeing the wave. <laughs> the wave is amazing. At many different sporting events, fans assemble and in a unified manner, they get out of their seats and wave both of their arms in a unified manner, section by section. This, in turn, pumps up those playing in the sporting event. And just about everyone present for a moment is excited. <laughs> it is a wonderful chain reaction of incredible excitement. It goes on the screen and everything. I mean, you see it and you can't help but smile. The wave of sorts has happened in Jerusalem around 445 B.C. The wall has been rebuilt and small villages are beginning to emerge all around Jerusalem. The wall of Jerusalem being rebuilt has caused a wave, a chain reaction of progress. However, the building project came into existence not because of Nehemiah, not because of the crew building it, but because of God. God has done this and it is marvelous in his sight. See, God placed Nehemiah in the palace of the king. It was God who gave Nehemiah favor with the king. It was God who provided mercy after the sins of Nehemiah and all of Jerusalem. It was God who elevated Nehemiah from a lowly cupbearer to the lead of a construction site at Jerusalem. It was God who graced Nehemiah and the workers from Jerusalem to continue the work in the presence of enemies. God sovereignly equipped and allowed this wall to be rebuilt in 52 days. God granted restoration from ruins. God provided beauty from ashes. And now the people have many, 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 many reasons to celebrate and to give honor to God. But question is, what blessings has God granted you with lately? Friends, God has provided mercy in our mess ups. God has provided love in our unloving condition. God continues to care for us as we are even critical of others. God sustains us. God maintains our health and fortifies our faith. We relate to the text today in Nehemiah 12 because as God has given the people of Jerusalem reasons to praise him, God has gifted us with many reasons to praise God as well. So in Nehemiah 12, that's where we are. We notice the gathering of amazing leaders and the joyful dedication of this finished work. And in chapter 12, beginning at verse 27, we hear more about this joyful dedication. Verse 27 says, Now, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they could celebrate the dedication with joy, with songs of thanksgiving, and with the songs to the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. Notice today that the work 
of God always promotes unity. I'll say that again. Don't miss this. The work of God always promotes unity. Now, is God able to disrupt, interrupt, and do so in an abrupt way? Yes. God can allow friction at times in our lives, but this is only to lead us back in unity with God. After being driven from Jerusalem, God has called the people back to the work of rebuilding Jerusalem together and in unity. I want you to notice that this building project was instituted by God and earthly led by Nehemiah. And it's an invitation not only to work, but to work in unity with God. How so, you may ask? Because without God, this work could never have been completed. See, now at the capital city of Israel, Jerusalem, which the name Jerusalem in itself means foundation of peace. Isn't that beautiful? See, God is calling these people back to a physical place of peace and unity. But he's also calling the people right now back to a spiritual place with God of peace and unity. So the priests and the priest's assistants who helped with taking care of the tabernacle and other ceremonial duties, they were asked to come to Jerusalem for this huge praise party, this huge dedication. But if you're like me, you hear this word dedication and you're like, why in the world would a wall need to be dedicated? I mean, we dedicate our babies, you know, we come down in front of the church to pass the praise for them. They lift them up. Everybody say, oh, that's so cool, right? But a wall? <laughs> you can't lift up a wall. So why would this wall need to be dedicated? Well, to give you some facts to hold on to today, a dedication. It is an Old Testament ceremony that established someone or something for a specific purpose. Okay, we hear that. Well, let's keep going. So the wall of Jerusalem was built for a specific purpose. It was built for the purpose of providing protection and establishing the city. But remember, this building project was instituted by God. So what that means is, as the wall protects the city, the people of Jerusalem, by having faith in God and living in unity with God, are trusting that they are, that, that as they build up Jerusalem, God will provide, God will protect, and God will unify them. Mm -hmm. So this dedication is a ceremony and a celebration to let the whole world know that the people of Jerusalem and everything that has been built are striving to walk in peace and unity with God. It's like a spiritual billboard, if you will. And they're saying, listen, we are with God. We're not with anybody else. And we want the whole world to know. And so this is really what God wanted. God wanted Jerusalem to come back to him. He wanted Jerusalem to come back to a physical place, but also into a spiritual relationship. And the work of the wall was just the way that God used, the method that God used to ultimately promote more unity. So, when you think about this unity, I want you to consider with me a marching band. I love marching bands because when they are on the field, the band plays a selection and then they begin to march together in unity to the one song that they're all playing together. It's just awesome to me. 
Yes, different sections have different parts, but they are all unified pieces of one song. Allow me to suggest that as a marching band plays one song and remains in step with each other, we have one God who we should worship together, who has established us for the purpose of living a life that pleases God. And yes, we are all different in various ways, but we should live in unity together, dedicated and glorifying God in all that we do. You see, this work of rebuilding the wall was not just about bricks and building materials, but in fact, it is a reestablishing of peace and unity physically and spiritually to Jerusalem and beyond. So at this dedication, we see that God's work promotes unity. But we also notice in verses 28 through 29 that rejuvenation can have generational impact. Rejuvenation can expand to all generations. Check it out. It's in verses 28 and 29. Look at what the text makes mention of. It says, so the sons of the singers were assembled from the territory around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, from Beth Gilgal and their fields in Geba and Asmaveth, because the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem. Now I need for you right now to not focus on any word in the text but the third word in verse 27, and that is sons. <laughs> you see, if you focus on that word sons, this means that at this joyful dedication, children from all the territories surrounding Jerusalem were present. <laughs> see, children from the villages of the Netophathites at Beth Gilgal, Geba, and Asmaveth assembled to see in unity all that God has done. They're literally assembled, probably looking up like man, looking around like, oh my God. Because previously, without walls, nobody wanted to live in Jerusalem. Because without walls surrounding the city, it left Jerusalem defenseless. But now with the completed wall, the people desire to see Jerusalem thrive. So what do they do? They invite people, young and old, to come to this joyful dedication. They invite people from all the surrounding territories to come back and to live in Jerusalem, but not at odds with each other, not fighting each other, but in harmony with peace and unity. <laughs> This is so beautiful because the parents or adults do not hold the children back, y'all. They don't hold them back from seeing this magnificent and symbolic structure that God has birthed. And as we reflect on verses 28 through 29, seeing the sons come back, the children come back, the diversity of all the surrounding nations happening all at once, I can't help but hear Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4, as the psalmist tells us, listen, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will tell riddles of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but we will tell the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his power and his wondrous works that he has done. Y'all hear that? Hmm. My brothers and sisters, the rejuvenation of Jerusalem, it has generational impact because this physical structure is a part of the people of Jerusalem and all of the surrounding territories. It's their faith story. It's a story of 
how God made a way out of no way. It's a story how God has been a lily in the valley. It's a story about how God has helped when they did when they felt helpless, y'all. It's about how God called them back to Jerusalem, a place that he has crafted and orchestrated now that is a place and symbolic of peace and unity. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but this is a comeback story like no other. This is a picture of how God guides his children even when we mess up. This is a picture of how God loves his children, how God, in fact, does not give up on his children. Y'all, this is a picture of God's mercy at this dedication. See, this is a rejuvenating story that all of us can relate to because if God didn't give up on ancient sinners, he definitely won't give up on present ones either. If God can call them back to a place of peace and unity, we can get wholly happy because God is inviting us to a place of peace and unity. See, I need everyone who's listening today to understand that your testimonies of how God moved and how God is moving in your lives, they need to be shared with people. I think that we suffer from something in our faith today where many of us won't talk about the times where we messed up. We won't talk about the times where we received mercy. We won't even talk about the times where flat out we needed mercy or forgiveness because we're scared that if we share, people will, they'll say we're not perfect. Well, guess what? We're not. We're not perfect, but God is. See, when we begin to share how God has moved in our life, it encourages somebody else to hold on to their faith or to even come into a working relationship with God. When we begin to say, you know what? In college, oh my God, I lost my mind. But God helped me and God cared for me. Guess what? That testimony has power. And sometimes, yes, God wants us to use God's word and to know God's word and to preach and teach God's word. But God also wants us to be living sanctuaries where we embody the spirit and we're led by the spirit and where we live out scripture. And we do that by sharing our testimonies. Friends, we can notice We can finally have generational impact instead of generational fighting if we will get off of our high horse and begin to share how God has provided mercy for us all. What I find greatly encouraging about this text is that as God is resilient in his love for the people of Jerusalem, God is reckless and resilient in his love for us all. And so, friends, at this joyful dedication, they invite all these kids to come Not for them to sit there and be perfect, but for them to see that the great Lord has moved. The great Lord is powerful and the great Lord will continue moving from generation to generation to generations. And so this dedication is more than just a prayer. It's more than just a party per se, but this is a retelling over a bullhorn, the faith story of Jerusalem. And so my friends, from These verses, we've seen that God's work promotes unity. We've seen that rejuvenation can have generational impact. But then the last verse of this section of scripture, in verse 30, we notice that the dedication actually gives credit to God. Listen to what verse 30 says as it validates this. It says that the priests and the Levites purified themselves. They also purified the people, the gates, and the wall. Now, 
The priest and their assistants ceremonially cleansed themselves, the gates and the walls that, was, that were built. Now, what this meant, it was a whole thing, y'all. <laughs> they sprinkled purifying water on themselves and they cut off all the hair that was on their bodies. They then washed their clothes thoroughly and then washed themselves. And then they went and washed a massive wall thoroughly. That's a whole lot, y'all. The thought here was not for them to look crazy. The thought here was to clean the wall and themselves from any impurities to ultimately honor God. But in all of this, the priests, the Levites, and the people are really ultimately attempting to give honor and credit to God who is responsible for this great work. Yes, this was the law at this time. But you know what? More than just saying it was the law, it was also the people's worship at this time. They're saying, God, for all you have done, you're worth being in a clean place. For all you have done, God, you are worth being in the greatest place. We prioritize you, God. They are fully and, and, and like ceremonially dedicating themselves and Jerusalem back to God. Now, I know that's a lot to chew on. You may not feel the need to purify yourself with water. You may not feel the need to cut off all of your hair. But we must applaud that these people worshipped. We must applaud that they did not say, oh, my God, look at this big wall I built. Y'all, hey, look at me. I'm it. No, they gave credit to God and they showed that they were all in. The leaders and the people celebrate and worship all that God has done with prayers and singing. But should we not do the same? Because there's so many blessings in our lives that we literally partake of daily. And we hardly probably ever say Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for waking me up. Thank you, Jesus, for providing food for me to eat. Thank you, Jesus, even for me being able to overindulge in Chick-fil-A. Can we talk about it? We don't talk about that. But we have to learn from these people that, yes, they may look different in cleansing a wall, cleansing themselves, cutting off all their hair, but they were willing to say, we're not hiding from God. We honor God. Recently, y'all, I read a story of a young lady by the name of Diane who recently graduated with a bachelor's degree. Diane is a single mother who lost her boyfriend in a car accident while in school. Diane worked a full-time job, watch this, and a part-time job just to provide for her family. On top of that, Diane took care of her aging parents. And recently, a couple of days ago, Diane got the grand opportunity to walk across the stage and receive her physical degree. But people told me that when, before Diane even walked across the stage, she had these huge tears that were just flowing from her eyes. And they said that the person in front of her went, and before they could even say Diane's name, she started hollering, it was nobody but God. Hmm. Nobody but God. Nobody but Jesus. And so the, the announcer says, Diane, and she starts clapping for herself. And she starts waving her hand saying, nobody but God. Nobody but God, nobody but Jesus. And she takes one step. 
and she keeps clapping and she takes another step and she keeps clapping and she says, nobody but God, (laughs) nobody but God, nobody but Jesus. Well, eventually over 500 graduates began to give Diana a standing ovation. And when she got to the president, as much as they were supposed to be socially distant, he hugged Diane because he had known that Diane had been a single, she was a single mother. He knew that she had went through a H-E double hockey stick. He knew that she had lost her mate and he knew the road that was turbulent. They got her there, but now she had it. And so they hugged and they cried and said, nobody but God, nobody but God, nobody but Jesus. Friends, I need you to catch this today that we need to take on Diane's spirit here and we need to understand that our roads may be different, but there is some turbulence that we do come in contact with. And through it all, the Lord will guide us through just like he did for Diane. Through it all, the Lord will guide us through just like he did for Nehemiah. Through it all, the Lord will guide us through just like he did for Jerusalem. And we too can exclaim today, nobody but God, nobody but God, nobody but Jesus. Friends, I want you to catch this today. This is a joyful dedication. It's joyful for many ways and in many instances because these people had done enough to be written off by God. They had done enough for God to throw them in the trash can and create a better people. But yet God said, even in the midst of opposition, I'll still give you grace. Even in the midst of your sinful nature, I'll still give you mercy. And as you hear an Old Testament form of mercy, you can't help but get wholly happy in thinking, about the New Testament of mercy that came in the magnificent form of our Savior named Jesus. He came down just to die for sinners like you and I. He came down and literally went through H-E double hockey stick for you and I. And so now we have a relationship with God because Jesus died for us. This joyful dedication was way more than some cleansing. It was way more than cleansing a wall, but it was actually giving credit where credit is due. Friends, I need you to stop overlooking the blessings in your life like they supposed to happen. And I need for you to go and for every blessing, say, thank you, Jesus. For him waking you up, say, thank you, Jesus. You want to know why? Because somebody did not. When you eat, you need to say, thank you, Jesus, because somebody's under a bridge and they don't get that privilege. When you walk into your church or walk into your house and you got heat or air, even in your car, you need to say, thank you, Jesus, because somebody does not. And for all that God does for us, we need not take it for granted. Sometimes if we survey our life, I promise we won't be able to sit there as if God hadn't done anything. If we think about the roads he has made, the ways he has made, the life he gives us daily, We would be just like Diane, hollering, nobody but God, nobody but God, nobody but Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I think about 2020 and I think about us even up to now, that's what I say. It wasn't nobody but God that brought some of us through. It wasn't nobody but Jesus that led us through. And maybe that's your testimony, too. And if it's your testimony, you ought to share that. You ought to stop trying to be so dignified and stop trying to act like you're perfect because you're not. The world needs your story. 
and God deserves our dedication. And so, friends, as we prepare to leave this virtual space, I want to push you to celebrate God by offering praise to God for what he has done in your life. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we hear about a joyful dedication, but God, we need to give you more glory for how you help us to pass classes we didn't study for. Help us to live in homes that we didn't have the credit to really own. The times that we have been just so privileged and, and we just thought we were so entitled, God, you still have given us mercy. So through it all, we say nobody but you, Lord. Nobody but you. We thank you, Lord, for Nehemiah's life. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Nehemiah. And we just pray, God, that we will give you all praise, honor, and glory every day and in every way. I pray for those people watching who may not know Jesus, that they will come into relationship with you now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. My brother or sister, as you watch this and you heard the sermon, the best sermon you've ever heard is the one you're willing to put into practice. So I have two challenges, but I got really a second question. And I'm going to start with the question, and that question is, do you know Jesus? Because if you don't know Christ, I want you to know Christ, and I'm sure Christ wants you to know him. And you have that opportunity to know Jesus right now. You can do so by repeating a prayer after me. It's short, I promise. If you're ready, here we go. Let's pray. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of God's love. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I do confess that Christ is the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. My challenge for everybody this week is ultimately dedicate some time where you praise God, where you write down what God has done for you. I want you to keep some receipts of all that God has done. Because as you keep those receipts, I need you to put them in a specific place. And the next time that life gets above your head, I need you to pull out them receipts and think back to what God has done. And I promise it will encourage you and push you to continue in the journey. And so friends, if you have just prayed this prayer of salvation, you have questions about the faith, or you have some specific prayer requests that you need someone to pray for, we are here to pray for you. If you would make any of those requests known by emailing us at altogether at spdl.org. Friends, if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online by going to spdl.org. And so, friends, I need you to know that it's nobody but God, nobody but God, nobody but Jesus that keeps us daily. And we can celebrate God by praising God for all God is doing, has done, and will do in our lives. So today, not even this week, start today, give God some credit and keep some receipts that you may be encouraged no matter what life throws your way. Have a good week.